In today's episode of A Woman Redefined, we have a very special guest joining us, Allie's daughter, Lizzie. We talk about her journey growing up with her mom, how she is pursuing her dreams, and the importance of creating a strong community to support us. Lizzie has a bright future, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. you guys I am so excited I have Allie here and her daughter Lizzie hi Lizzie hello thank you so much for jumping on a call with Allie and I today just to give a little perspective of redefining defining a woman at the age of 21 because you have so much behind you and so much to look forward to and I'm super excited to have this conversation and maybe we can just kick it off with a quick little recap of what you're up to these days. I'm Lizzie. I'm Allie's daughter. I'm 21 years old. I'm currently a senior at Penn State. I'm going into my last semester of college. And after that, I'm planning to move to New York City. But yeah, I'm really excited. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, mom. I'm very excited to have Lizzie here with me for so many reasons. For our listeners, You've heard, you know, Tanya and I talk about different on different episodes about parenting and communication and redefining parenting as our kids get older. And so I really wanted to have this conversation between the three of us to get Lizzie's perspective on growing up one with a single mom to that single parent living with a chronic illness and how that had an impact on her And also how I'd like to say redefining, but being that she's 21, she's actually just starting to define how she sees her life going. And I think this is going to be a terrific conversation. So welcome everybody. And thank you, Lizzie, for joining us. So Lizzie, uh, I know if you, you know, listening to your mom and I's podcast, we talk so much about how proud we are of our kids. And I just want you to know that when your mom talks about you, she just lights up like you are the star of her life. And um, just, I know that a big part of who she is today is because she got to be your mom. So um, just wanted to let you know that I see that all the time when Allie talks about you. So tell me a little bit about your relationship with your mom and what makes that so special. I think me and my mom have a very unique relationship in a way that obviously she's my mom, but we're also best friends in like a different way than usually parents and children are like best friends. I think because it's always been mainly the two of us, like obviously there's been other people in our lives and we have our family and our friends, but it's mainly been the two of us forever Um, we've kind of learned to like go through things together instead of it being like the parent has to go through things or just the child goes through things and we both carry the weight on our own. We've learned a system where we do things together and we get through things together. And I think that's made us stronger as people and like our relationship stronger. We always, as a single mom and obviously everything that we went through with her MS and just everything I think that it was a very like trial and error basis in the way that we did things together but it was a very good thing for both the people that we are because 
it's it's always funny because people always say you guys are so codependent on each other but I so don't believe that at all and I think if you actually took a glimpse into our relationship we're both very independent of each other but we don't need each other to do things we just need each other to be there for each other like it's always kind of this like parallel support system to whatever's happening in our lives and we don't need to be right next to each other or it doesn't matter if I did something right or wrong it's just like having somebody there that you can talk to about it and understands that and I think that's probably the most special thing about our relationship is that it's not like I do something wrong and I have to be worried about her getting mad at me or vice versa if she does something she doesn't need to worry about me throwing a meltdown and freaking out because we'll figure it out together and we have a lot of trust in each other and because of that I think it's definitely been a unique sort of relationship that's been very special to both of us well, I agree with that and yeah. I was gonna I say I think just Allie... say one thing. oh yeah yeah one quick thing Tanya that I wanted to say was I agree with that in the in what she said as far as the parallel things you know I had mentioned this on a on an episode we did you know that was something I learned from my dad growing up myself with a single mom, my dad used to say about our unique little family of divorce and with him living with his addictions, you know, he used to joke that we made the rules up as we went along. We weren't like other families. We made up our own rules. And, and I used to live by that with Lizzie, you know, we had to figure it out. And that's what we did all the time. And we worked together and her dad, you know, being that he lived on the West coast. And so I was the sole physical parent. He really gave me carte blanche to raise her my way without interference. He was there for the things that she needed from his perspective of that relationship was separate, but he never tried to, he always gave me, he's, you know, you're there. I trust that. And it allowed us to, you know, to me to raise her the way I needed to do it. That worked for us, which was a really good point. And I just wanted to, to mention that. Well, and one of the things that you mentioned, Lizzie, was just uh, you guys learning to problem solve together. And I'd be interested to see that. Do you think that ability of how you've problem solved is now maybe going into your career and how that's kind of impacted your life outside of your relationship with your mom? Yes, definitely. I think that us having that relationship of like problem solving together or her teaching me how to do things, problem solve certain things on my own or me being there and her not being afraid to sometimes ask like what is your opinion on this situation and valuing my opinion about that I think that's definitely helped make me into the person that I am I mean for sure when it comes to like my friends at school and just my friends in general I'm typically the like the conflict resolution person like the problem solver the advice giver and even like at work my internship this past summer jobs that I've had I tend to feel like my problem solving skills are definitely one of like the best things I hold in my toolbox so I definitely have that her to thank for that and I think it has a lot to do with how like open we are with each other and like how we communicate a lot about a lot of things instead of hiding them and we trust each other with things because I think that laid like a foundation for how I should approach other relationships as well in terms of problem solving and communication so it was definitely really great to have that open sort of relationship where we could just like go into things and figure them out without having any worries or apprehension about them. So I definitely think that's seeped into other parts of my life. 
for sure. And, you know, you were pretty young when your mom got diagnosed with MS. And one of the stories that sticks out in my mind that she's told me is just when she went in to get her transplant and she had to be in Chicago and you stayed back and, you know, you really had to take on an adult role pretty quick because you were what, 17, it was your senior year of high school. So you were 17. 17. Talk a little bit about growing up with your mom having MS and just the role and that that played in her, her when she had episodes and things like that and how what kind of impact that had I think obviously it's hard but it's never the type of hard that I think you like blame on a parent like there's a lot of situations where you're like okay my parent wasn't there for certain things and you're like well that's their fault and I don't think that's ever quite been the case in this situation like when she couldn't be there for certain things obviously that was never her fault but also living in a single parent household and then having her be the only parent and then having that, that sometimes definitely had brought up certain things. But I think at the same time that made me value my friends and the support systems that I could build for myself and realizing like that outside of the amazing mom that I have and also the great family because growing up for a long time, I guess until high school, my family wasn't necessarily in the area. They were in Um, New York. So I realized that like a really early age, how important friends are too, and how important it is to have really good relationships and support systems. And I can say, especially through my mom's transplant, like I was very good at putting on a very good face. Like I was very good at being the strong one and kind of like taking everything. I was applying for college and I wanted to enjoy my senior year, but obviously this was all going on and definitely have my friends to thank for helping me get through that time, especially my best friend. She like took me in completely when things got difficult. And I think that was the first time in my life that I was like, okay, like it's a, you're okay to be, it's okay to be like a little not okay about the situation. You don't always have to be the strong one because I think from a young age, like I always wanted to be like okay, my mom doesn't feel good. I'm, I'm totally fine. I'm here to help out. I'm not stressed out. I'm good. But I think it's important. That was a definitely an important, like defining moment for us where it was like, she's going through this, but I'm also going through this in a different way. And I think that opened up a lot of conversations for us and helped me to mature, not only in being like an independent person and technically living on my own, but also like emotionally mature during that time. So that opened up a lot of things for me. Yeah, that was a really pivotal, pivotal time because applying for college, I mean, that, that year of that, that college year is, is, I mean, it's critical and I wasn't there. She had the choice, you know, go stay with your aunt. And she said, you know what, mom, I want to stay home because all my stuff is here. I have a routine every morning. I have a routine every night. I, I, and I trusted her and I trusted also the fact that we lived in a, a, an apartment building where she had grown up and we knew, I knew everybody. I knew the neighbors. It was, we had a doorman. It was that kind of thing. And that also was comforting. And my friends knew how to reach her. They all had her phone number. She had their phone numbers. And I had to trust. This was the time for me to say, I trust you now more than ever. Mm-hmm. And this is where you're going to show me that you, you know, this is like, you you can do this. You can't do this, you know, but you're going to, you're going to show me, or you're going to show yourself is really was more about, it wasn't so much me because to be honest, 
my, I was so high, I, the drugs they were giving me, I was so highly medicated. It was really hard for me, but, but because I wasn't there, that was the one thing that was the most critical piece for me being in Chicago was that the nurses, that was the one thing from day one was every day I'm going to have FaceTime with my daughter. I don't care what's going on. You have to make sure that I'm whatever you have to give me to be awake and alert and enough to look like I am perfectly fine. <laughs> Because that's what she works too. I don't think I realized how intense it was, honestly, until I actually went there, which was so far on in the process that she was coming home in two weeks anyway, which might have been was probably a good thing that we waited that long for me to come. I also think that was a big helping factor was being able to talk to like not only talk to you, but see you every day. We made that a point to make that happen which I think was a very small detail that I left out, but which was probably something that was very, very important was having that communication and that like face-to-face interaction every single day to make sure that we were always on the same page. Mm-hmm. I, I have a question that I want to ask you. Um, and, I, and, I, and I first want to say thank you for being honest because this is, you know, this is what we're about. Tanya and I are very open. We, on this podcast, it's about authenticity. So to say how oh, you yeah, feel. Were there times growing up with one parent or with me having MS or during the transplant, were there ever times that you, you know, you didn't talk about with me? Was there fear in you about what was happening with me that you didn't talk about or that you held back on? Or was there, was watching, growing up and watching me live my life with the disease, having to work, having to be the parent, both parents drive you places, do all the things and, and still be sick, but get it done. Did that have an impact on you and how you lived your life? Yeah, I definitely think the latter part of the question is definitely is more to me. I think watching you, you were obviously a great mother and gave me everything that I could have asked for. You couldn't always do everything that you wanted to. And that's nothing that has to do with you and more the circumstances that you were put in. But I think we've had this conversation before, like at a very, very, very young, early age that kind of put me in a place where I, I not, I didn't necessarily grow up wanting to have somebody else in my life, like a co like a husband in the future, or a co-parent that I knew I could depend on. That's not necessarily what that did for me. If anything, it made me want to put myself in a situation where I don't necessarily need anybody to suffice. And I want that one day, but I want to be able to always rely on myself because I think in obviously with everything, like you never went to college, you were never able to go to college and then getting sick and everything. That's probably one of the bigger things that would stand out to me when I was younger, which obviously like you struggled with your MS and everything, but that's something that not wasn't necessarily in your control. And like, God forbid, or whatever happens with my health, because I have autoimmune mm-hmm. problems, that's something that uh, is not in my control. So that's not necessarily something that in the future I can look at and be like, okay, I want to change this about my life or the way that I handled that, the career thing and the college thing. And it's not even struggling financially that was the biggest thing for me, but it was also that I don't think until recently, until you entered into this path, you were ever necessarily happy with what you were doing. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I saw very early on. And 
I think for me, it kind of set the stage where I wanted to go into something that was not only something that would be very self-sufficient for myself and I could grow up knowing that I would be able to take care of myself no matter what, but I also wanted it to become something that I was like passionate about and I love doing. And I see you with what you're doing now with the podcast and working down here in Key West. And when you do coach like different clients and everything. And finally, I think you're very at this place where you're very happy with what you're doing. And I think that's made you happier with yourself. And so that's probably the biggest takeaway I got out of watching your situation was that you can put other people before yourself and the people that you care about and you can always like get by that's never you can always get by at some point if you work hard and hard enough you can get by but I didn't necessarily in my future life want to get by I wanted to do something that I loved and be a happy version of myself and be self-sufficient so I think that that's really what I've gotten out of that whole situation more than anything I think like listening to talk about like like that's what I talk to my kids about too is Mm -hmm. Like finding something that lights you up and makes you want to get up and go to work every day because right now you don't want to get up and go to school every day. But I feel like that conversation has shifted. And Allie, I don't know, maybe you can weigh on this too, that I don't remember having conversations with my counselors or with my teachers or even my parents about finding a career where it lights you up and you feel happy about it was here are your skills this is what you should do and I feel like as a society we're shifting that conversation to here are things you're really good at but what what lights you up and how can we make a career out about that and I think that's what you learned you know I think Allie and I got to change how we talk to our kids because we were like we don't want them to just go to a job that pays. We want them to go to a job that they enjoy and is going to provide a life for them, but they're also going to fill into that purpose. And I just feel like purpose has just started falling into career conversations in the last decade. Oh my God. So much. So I, I agree with that. And it's funny because Lizzie recently, we were talking about something, um, I think it was before she came down for the holidays, but in between her being here, for her internship this summer and right before she came back down here for this trip. And she was talking about um, work and, you know, upcoming job options. You know, she has kind of a good deal where the job of, of the, you know, that she really, really wants there. But then all of a sudden there was a job that came up with somebody, you know, a company that came to her school and they like really took a liking to her. And then it was a conversation where they pulled her and was like, you know, give us a chance to interview you, give us an opportunity where there's more money there, but her passion and her purpose is over here on this side. And I, she was telling me about it and she's like, yeah, I could go for the money first. But if I go for what makes me happy and what I'm really feel like I'm passionate about, the money will come later. And Tanya, it was like everything that we just learned in our midlife and how we even came together to start this podcast. I'm listening to my 21 year old daughter talk about and I'm inside. I'm like our listeners can't see me right now, but I'm like cheering, you know, inside. I'm like jumping for joy at listening to my child have this conversation that took me 50 years to have with myself. Yeah. I think now getting out of college and everything going on 
in the world. And I think everyone's had a big mindset shift, which is funny because that's actually what I study in school. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's crazy because for a long time, I think I would have been like, okay, yeah, this is a really great, like great company that came to me that wants me, that wants to interview me. They told me whatever my salary will be from the other position that I'm looking for that I'm more interested in they would make sure that it's much higher than that with that all that stuff and I was like listening to them and I was like if you have to convince me to take this job if I don't listen to the job immediately and I'm like I'm so excited about it then I don't want to be doing the job right and it's a great company and it's a great opportunity and I'm felt so like lucky and like humbled that they approached me that they were interested in me having it but I remember the one thing that I said to you was that if there's a time in my life to sacrifice money for doing something that I love now's the time in my life to do that and I'm not going to give that time away right, um, right. I have goosebumps I'm so prison proud <laughs> well and I think you touch upon something that we had talked a little bit before we started recording about COVID right and how that's changing right. But yeah. I really think you get to come out of some of the best things that came from COVID, which is you're coming out into a workforce where they need people, right? Like it's not fighting for jobs where there's one right. job for every five people. People want to work differently than we did prior to COVID. We, yeah. People don't want the 80 hour weeks anymore and they want to have some flexibility. So I think you maybe do you want to talk a little bit about how you see how COVID has shifted maybe perspectives for jobs and just your outlook? Definitely. I think that a silver lining of of COVID has definitely been the fact that it has created new opportunities for a lot of people, especially in my, I mean, for everyone, to be honest, because if we think about it, like I had an amazing internship this summer that really helped me like solidify what I wanted to do for my future and the kind of company that I want to work for. But that was in New York and we had just moved to Key West. And my thought process the whole time I was applying was, oh my God, I'm going to be split between living with my mom in Key West and not being able to take this amazing internship or finding housing in New York and being by myself where I don't know anybody not being able to experience like this new life that we have after we just moved down to Florida, which I'm so happy I did get to experience. And the opportunity became remote. They weren't sure if it was going to be, and it became remote and it's the best thing that could have happened for me. And I know that for a lot of my other friends, it's opened a lot of doors for them in terms of hiring um, because of moving out and, money for rent and all that stuff kind of taking on that responsibility after college it's something that hits you like three months before you're graduating you're like oh my god I'm a real person I have to pay for myself now and get these jobs that are actually going to fulfill a full lifestyle and having the opportunity to live at home or work for your dream company that's across the country but you can do it from where you are sitting right now I think that's presented a lot of opportunities for people. I have so many friends that graduated early and started their careers early that have jobs online. I've taken opportunities to connect with people online. And one thing that you can get from COVID is that there's as much as like face-to-face interaction and like connection has, obviously it's not the same. Like you can't see people the way that you were able to. I think 
if you're willing to put in the effort, you can actually get a lot more connection now with the tools and the resources that we've been given and the opportunity for like now, like you meet someone, you're like, yeah, can I have a 15 minute Zoom call? I'd love to get to know you more. And it creates all these open doors for you that you would have never even imagined. And I think also beyond that, like one point that I want to touch on is that now I think you really don't need to go into the industry or take the job that you went to school for. I think that in this day, they teach you a lot of things and a lot of skills and especially from experiences that it's like, you're in this area of a job, but you don't necessarily need to go into that like predefined role. There's so many different options. Like the company I worked for this summer, I worked at an advertising agency and I am a marketing major and a psych minor. And I absolutely loved my aspect of it, but I met people that were like sociology majors, comedy writers, um, like literature majors, um, philosophy, so many different types of majors that you're like, okay, they're working for corporate America right now. And I guarantee you probably 10 years ago, if you, if a comedy writer had gone into corporate America with their resume and been like, I want you to hire me for this job, they would have been like, absolutely not. But I think that right now people are being given a lot more opportunities because like they want to showcase all your skills. It's not just what you learned in school. And I don't know if that has to come from like social media and like platforms that people are creating or resources that people have to like finally do what they want to do or take what they want to do and turn it into something else. But I feel like there's so many more opportunities, both in terms of number and also like value in what they can offer you and you can offer them now because of everything that's happened. Well, and I think we're living in a time, um, you know, you and I probably could go down to marketing conversation for about two hours, but I think we're living in a time where organizations are starting to finally realize that people want to connect with their product. And so storytelling and authentically showing their product or authentically showing off who they are. And I think that's where all those different roles come in, right? Like it's no longer we're going to see a Johnson and Johnson commercial about whatever it's, we want to know the company behind it. Like that started that really, at least from, again, what I see from my, my teenage kids, the company that's behind it almost matters more than the cost of the product or the product. They really want to support a company that shares the same values that they do. Yeah. Can you, can you, Lizzie, can you touch just, about the yeah so that's actually my well that's actually my thesis topic surprisingly is my undergraduate thesis I'm writing about generational like marketing and how Gen Z has kind of like come in and completely shifted the way that a lot of um, people do their buying and not only have it's happened as a generation but it's also trickled up into other generations and like our patterns have And the things that happen in the world that shape our patterns have created this kind of crazy impact where it's no more like smoke and mirrors. It's transparent and everything needs to be transparent nowadays. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to come up with these ideas and understand things and why people want to buy something or what things matter or the labels on the back of your products. People are actually reading those now. And things like that and how much of a difference that's made in the world, like as a whole. And I think that's actually a really big thing for me. I'm like going on a tangent right now really quickly, but 
for me, like when people always ask what I want to do, like my best friend who was just visiting me, she is going into an amazing field. She wants to go into counseling. She's working with child protective services and all this stuff. And everyone always like says to her, wow, you're such an amazing person. You really want to do a job that makes a difference for the world. That's great, whatever. And then they're like, oh, what do you want to do? And I'm like, oh, I'm going into advertising. And they're like, oh, cool. Corporate America. And I'm like, okay, well, the reason that I'm going into advertising actually is because for so long, it was all these scheming and like shows. And now it's using platforms and using these things for a good change. And I worked on projects this summer that were amazing and like for sustainability and helping like underprivileged communities get education and doing all these things. And I think that's another thing that goes back to like things that I've learned is that I always want to do something that like is going to make a difference. And for me, like advertising, especially in this day and age and with everything going on, like platform, people are using their platforms to do positive change and make positive good. And I think that's so amazing. And even with things like this and like podcasts coming out that help people, if it takes one person to listen and be like, I relate so much, this has helped me so much, then that's really that all that matters. And I think that's becoming very apparent to a lot of people. And that's really like what's at the root at like this behavioral shift that's going on is that it's people just want to finally, I think, do good and like make a positive impact and a positive change after everything bad that's happened. Absolutely. And I was going to, I was going to say that you always hear from older generations, oh, that younger Gen Z or Gen X or, or, you know, and, um, but what I'm so excited about in your generation, and I think that people fail to see is you are done doing thing as status quo. Like you are done saying, I'm not working from eight to five, just because that's what you said I have to, I'm going to do what's best for me. But you're also asking, you're pushing back on companies and asking them to make this place a better world. And I think that is so exciting. And I think that that gets so underlooked on things because it's so, it's change, right? Like away from the old way of doing things. But I think that your role and how the world is going to look in 20 years and what your generation is doing, we are at a pivotal time. Yeah, absolutely. I love that because I think that, you know, I've learned so much through Lizzie's eyes. I've always said this from the time she was little, like even animals, you know, I grew up as an animal lover, but I never saw them in the way that Lizzie saw them. And when she decided to start her nonprofit at seven, I learned about animal welfare. I, I learned a deeper love of life through Lizzie's eyes because they were so wide and so open to learning. She wanted to learn. She was the kid that was always like, why, why, why? She wanted to know why things were done. And then it's funny because from, you know, four years old and now 21, that is literally what she's doing in college is understanding the psychology of why people buy what they buy, why people do what they do. And so it really was ingrained in who she is as a person. And, and so to watch her do this um, through college and write these papers and do this research and see they are using their buying power and saying, we're not buying from your company anymore until we see that you're doing something better for the world. Because 
where we spend our money matters. Yeah. And we want to know that the companies we buy from are doing better today to make an impact in the world. And that, that shift is huge, huge. And it's showing companies are making changes. They really are. So it's, it's nice. So um, okay, so one of the questions I'd asked before, but what would you, so as you know, I have a 16-year-old daughter, so looking back five years ago, what is something that you would go, wish you could go back and tell your 16-year-old self? I think 16 is a very, I think we talked about like multiple times over the course of like this podcast and also in your past episodes, obviously it's called A Woman Redefined, and I think there's a lot of defining moments that you have throughout your life. I think I'm in a defining moment right now, graduating college. I think 16 is a defining moment in your life. And it's just like one step that you take to help get you to who you are. And I think that probably the biggest thing that I can say is to just appreciate who you are and who you wanna be and not let anybody or anything from the outside really change that or like get in your head about that. So whether that be about what school you want to go to or what you want to do in the future or what type of music you like or what you want to wear. Like when you think about it, high school is a really hard place and being 16 is a really hard age as is going through the rest of high school and even college. I mean like, and the rest of your life, people, no matter where you go, you're going to have people that are going to tell you that you might be different or you're not doing the right thing. But if I can learn anything, it's, I feel like I obviously went through phases where I tried to change myself to fit in somewhere or thought maybe this job would be better than this job or bought new clothes and new outfits because everyone else was doing it. And I've always kind of like come back to who I was at some point and been like, why did I ever do that? And why did I waste my time trying to teach myself a lesson that was not a good lesson. And so if I can say one thing, it's that like everything's going to work out for itself. And you just have to, the biggest thing is appreciate who you are, not only accept it, but also appreciate it and what that you have to offer because you're only going to grow from there and you have to grow being yourself and being your own person and going through your own challenges and not listening to what everybody else is going to tell you. And in the end, you're going to be the most happy that you did that for yourself and not for anybody else is that you've had like the journey that you've gone through and you've accomplished things for yourself, not because somebody told you to do them. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give is to not just accept yourself, but like appreciate yourself in all its forms growing up and all the mistakes and things that you go through. I think that's really good. I used to say to Lizzie and her girlfriends sometimes when I would listen to them talk about their dramas in high school, and I say, girls, you don't get a do-over. You can't go back and change this situation. So think about what you're about to say. Think about what you're about to do because you can't go back and do it again in a different way. Well, and I think one of the challenges that you you know your generation has Lizzie that Allie and I didn't is just the role of social media yeah like we passed notes right when we were gossiping about (laughs) our friends and handwritten notes that were all folded all funny or we had notebooks that went back and forth 
But because, and we all did this, right? Like we all gossiped about our friends because we're right. just young and we, things come out of our head before we can think it out. And I think one of the challenges is that you live in a world where people put it out on social media and it makes it harder to repair yeah. because it gets blown up out of proportion. Right. No, completely. And I think that obviously social media has its downfalls, but I also think like looking at it from like the positive side of it, that now more than ever, like appreciating who you are and what you want to do and the things that you're interested in, it's so much easier to find people to connect with. And I've not only seen it at my age, but I've also seen it, like I've seen it for you, mom. Like I've, wow, seen, look it up. <laughs> yeah, like I've seen you build a community of people that are so much, are so like you and believe in the same things as you and value the same things as you. And that would not have been possible without obviously like social media and technology and all right. that connection. So I think obviously it can be detrimental and it can make people, I scroll through TikTok sometimes and I'm liking every single workout and what I eat in a day post. And that's probably sometimes not like the healthiest thing, but then you also look at the other side of social media. That's like, I'm actually finding people that are interested in the same things as me at my age. And I don't know a lot of people that like this type of music that I like, or appreciate this type of art that I appreciate. And it kind of builds these like different communities for yourself. And Absolutely. you're able to experience that and meet more people. And once again, like connect it all back, you're able to like appreciate yourself and what you like more because now you understand that you're not the only person that does. And there are communities of people out there, your age, not your own age, like you different than you that appreciate the same things and who you are. So I think that's also a gift that social media gives you. Well, and we'll tie, even tie it back to that community, right? Like yeah. you, you talked about when your mom was off getting her transplant and that family you built it wasn't your biological family but that family of friends in that tribe that you built that community that you built and then I think one of the best things that's come out with social media is we can find those communities like Allie that's how I met you my I met my husband in a online community I met most of my friends Mm -hmm. through an online community I remember your mom talking about when you moved to Key West Lizzie and how you had that's how you met that's how you met people was through that community. And I do think building ourselves a tribe, a community that's a family, that's not always just our blood family, but a community can be done at a much wider way than it was able to be done years ago. Oh, absolutely. To go back to what Lizzie said about, and the community of people, when I was away for so long, and even before I was in Chicago, the, the year leading up Mm-hmm. Before I left for Chicago was the one year leading up to my time when I left was the sickest of 20 years that I'd ever been with the disease. I mean, it had taken me down. And Lizzie's friends and some of their parents even. And I knew them all. I knew the girls. I knew the parents. I wasn't so much that I was socially like I didn't go out socially these weren't my best friends but I knew them well her friends and their families and what they did for her and also Lizzie had a job she worked at a a kids clothing store a high-end kids clothing store in our community where I also worked part-time sometimes that family and the people that shop there took Lizzie in 
as like their own. And they were like family. I mean, what they did for her. And I used to get messages while I was away in Chicago from people in the community saying, oh, I stopped in the store today and I saw Lizzie. My God, this was the one word, Tanya, that went across the board for months. Lizzie is so stoic. And it was on one hand, it was so great because, you know, in their eyes, the people that were saying it were like, oh, she's so strong and she's so wonderful. And on the other hand, as her mom, I was saying, I'm waiting for the moment that she's going to break. I'm waiting for her to break. You know, I'm waiting for her to have the meltdown that she's not having right now. Um, but it, but I was so proud and, and the community pulled in and they really surrounded her and got her through that time when I was not only away, but really sick. Yeah. So it reminds me a lot. I don't know if Lizzie, if Allie shared with you, but my brother has cancer and he's in the midst of going through chemo treatments and he has a 19 year old daughter and a 15 year old son. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what you say reminds me so much of what Adam's hockey community has done for them, right? Like they have just stepped up and whatever Adam needs, they have parents who do ride shares and things like that. Because I, I think about it from my perspective of when Allie talks about it and when Matt and Claire talk about it is they're all they want for you and their kids is to try and have as regular of a life as you can without this major life impact that they're going through totally impacting their life. And so to have this community like you had come in and step up and like Adams, this hockey community come in and let you still live that teenage life while your parents are going through this other thing, I think just states a lot for that community you guys have surrounded yourself. For sure. I definitely think so. And I also think that I can, I, I didn't necessarily have this experience, but I think you did mom, like in, when we're talking about building communities with your like Ali Strong community, I think that also having that and like building that and showing your experiences and everything also helped so many other people. Yeah. And like, I would have people that would come up to me and be like, my mom's friend's son just got diagnosed with MS. Like, do you think it'd be okay if they reached out to your mom? And, and I still get it. I really barely knew, and it was a far connection from them. And it was just like the fact that I think you had created such like an open space where everyone felt comfortable to like follow your journey that was so hard, but also feel comfortable enough to be like, okay, I'm going through something possibly similar. Like, can I talk to you about it? And like creating that open floor and like that community also was, I think, something that helped me go through and like heal through the whole process because it was like you were doing this for you and so you would get better and for me so that things would get better but in a sense it also came out that you were doing it for all these other people that were following you also that looked up to you to be like okay she can do it I can do it like it's not that bad like there's somebody that's helping me take that step and I still get calls. I still get emails and I still yeah. get phone calls where people say, Hey, my friend's brother, I got one recently, my friend's brother, um, or my friend's boyfriend is, was diagnosed with MS and he's yeah. looking into this treatment. Could he call you? And I'm like, absolutely. And I get on the phone and, you know, two hours later, I'm still talking to these people and I'm giving them this and I'm giving this and right. 
And I, you know, that whole journey for me taught me what community was. I don't think I really understood community before that. And now I can't imagine living my life without community. Right. And I also think it goes back to the problem solving aspect that we talked about, like literally the very first part of this is that like things that I've learned from you and the relationship that we have, I think that we've been very open people when it comes to our lives and our experiences. And it's interesting because this is something that I always say to people is like, they ask me when you go down, like your life story of like who you are and where you came from and everything that's happened to you. And people often use the word, sorry. And they're like, I'm sorry that that's happened to you. Or I'm sorry that you've had to go through those hard times and those hard experiences. And I always say like, I never, like, that's my least favorite thing to hear. I think ever is I'm sorry, because as much as it was difficult and things happened and obviously it's not something that you think you're going to wake up and spend your life on this path. I was like, I never want anyone to say I'm sorry because like it, it truly has our relationship and everything that we've been through and growing up with you as a single parent and having MS and all these like lessons I've learned and like the relationship that we have, the open and trusting relationship. It's made me into who I am today and I'm very happy and proud of who I am today. So it's, it's that kind of situation where it's like, you don't have to apologize for what you've been through or apologize to somebody else for what they're going through because in a way that's going to help them become a better person. Oh my God. I agree with that so much because I do, you know, when people used to come up to me and they would say, people would walk over and they'd say with that tone, you know, somebody's voice changes. How are you? And I would look back and I go, I'm good. How are you? You know, you got to go. <laughs> right. And, and then, and then you kind of throw them off guard and, and, or it's like, I'm so sorry. Like, or if I say, you know, I have MS, somebody will go, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm no, I, I'm not. Yeah. It's you know, my sister, when I was diagnosed back in right after Lizzie was born, I was my, I was living in Arizona and my sister said to me, I was having, you know, that first breakdown of like understanding what MS really was about. And my sister I was on the phone with my sister and crying and this and that. And she said to me, I, I've taken this with me, this message. She said, God only gives you what you can handle. You might not know why you got it right now, but you're going to find out someday. And I love my sister, but that's not the kind of things we talk about. Like we don't talk about those spiritual messages. That's not our relationship. But she said that to me and it, and it, it really sparked me down my spiritual path because mm-hmm. learning, you know, this diagnosis and my divorce from Lizzie's dad, and it set me on a path of becoming, you know, single mom of the spiritual journey that I have been down for the last 20 years and finding out. And it was exactly why I was diagnosed with MS because I found out that my purpose was to serve others. My purpose and my passion is to help other people in this world. And that's, that's why I got it. I'm sure there's other reasons physically, but for me, I look at it from a a perspective of, I'm not sorry for myself. I don't feel sorry that this is the hand I was dealt. I feel like I was given this because I, I'm strong enough to handle it. And I'm able to help other people learn to live their life with it. 
So when I see that strength in both of you, right? Like you both have kind of told that same story of I took this life that was, or this MS diagnosis that was handled, handed to me as my mom and, you know, as the daughter living with a mom with MS and you both have learned and capitalized on it and found the good and what came from it, right? Like rather than dwelling it, you know, you can, you can focus on the negative and dwell on what, or you can accept it and move on. And I feel like both of you have said, here's what we have and here's what we can give back from what we've learned. And it's just made you both such strong women. Thanks. I, you know, I feel really lucky. I feel really lucky that I was blessed. You know, I always say this, and I'm, I don't know if Tanya, if we've had this discussion, but it was funny because I had this conversation so weirdly the other day with somebody. And I don't know how you feel about this, Tanya, but we get our kids for borrowed time, right? Our kids come to us and we have a limited amount of time before they go out and they start their own life and then they get married and then they have their own kids. And so for me, my job was always, okay, I have this amount of time. How am I going to use this to make this person the best she can be so that when she does go out on her own, she, she can handle life. I'm so proud Lizzie of you. I, I couldn't, not only because you're my daughter, but honestly for the human being you are for the choices you make for yourself, separate to what you and I talk about. I don't, I never wanted to tell you how you needed to live your life or what I thought you should do. I always tried to just say, what do you want? And then we take that and we figure, and you let, you know, work it out. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time, this one thing when Lizzie was in, I think it was elementary school maybe, like the late years of elementary school or, or early middle school. And there was a situation with school or something. And she came home and she was upset about something. And she's like, you, you're not protecting me. And I was like, but I am protecting you. My job, I can't protect you because I'm not there every single second of every day with you. My job is to teach you how to protect yourself when I'm not there. That's the lesson you have. I have to give you that now. Yeah. And I feel like, all the little things that we talked about when you were little are exactly who you are today. And this woman that you're becoming, like you have your eyes on the prize and you know, okay, this is what I want. And maybe it's going to shift here and there because the world's going to shift, yeah. but I know how to shift with it. And I'm not yes. afraid of it. Yep. And that's the thing I am so, so proud of, of watching you become this person. I, lo I love every second of it. And thank you. Of course. It's crazy that you just said that actually, because I was just thinking in my head, one more thing that I want to bring up that you kind of literally touched on in that story, which was, I was thinking about your question again, about going back to like, what would you tell somebody that was younger? And I think another thing that as we were going through our conversation that got brought up and literally you just nailed it on the head, mom, was that I think the number, the number one thing over everything that I've ever learned ever is to advocate for yourself. And I think that you have done that, mom, and you've taught me to do that on my own. And that goes back to the whole like protection thing and going out into the world. And, but it's not only with that, I think I've advocated for myself in other ways also, even like with you, like, if I don't think that you're doing something right, I'm the first person to say to you, like, oh yes, you handled this situation, right. For who we are and like what our relationship is. And I mm -hmm. go about like living my life in a way that if I think something is 
necessarily wrong or I need to advocate for myself in a in a good way, whether it be like I think I'm the right person for a job or whether I don't think I'm being treated right with friends or in a class or whatever, like you're never too young to advocate for yourself. Like, you know who you are and what you want. So it doesn't matter if you're 10 years old or 16 years old or 21 years old or 50 years old, like you have to continue to advocate for yourself because you have your parents and you have the people that care about you, but you're really the only person that will be able to get in, get in your own way if you don't do that. So that's right. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's wrap this up, ladies. Um, Lizzie, I just thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited for you. Uh, You know, again, like your mom, obviously, like I said, your mom and I, we talk about our kids all the time off the podcast, on the podcast. And I just can't wait to see in six months where you're at living that New York life and, (laughs) you know, really getting to start your start that next chapter in your life, right? Like, it's like you said, it's you're in that defining moment of where you really get to start a new chapter of what you're, of creating this life that you want. And that's just really exciting. So I just, I, I just can't wait to see where the world takes you. Thank you. Or where you take the world. (laughs) Right. Right. Thank you for joining us, Liz. I, I appreciate it. And it was a great conversation and your insight, you know, will help a lot of other young young people. And, and I think people of our own age, you know, other parents. So thank you for the conversation. Thank you for any last things that you want to say to anybody or like any last things you want to leave on the table. Um, well, I'm very proud of you and this, and I'm looking forward to seeing where this podcast goes for you guys, because it is really amazing. And I love the things that talking about and I think that people really do need to hear them even at my my age too so yeah I just want to say thank you thank you thank you all right ladies thanks and gentlemen who I know are listening to us (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much tune in make sure you like rate subscribe share with your friends share with other parents who have kids getting in that pivotal graduating time, um, share some tips or ideas or anything that you have with us. Again, we just appreciate all the listeners who take the time out of their day to spend some time with us. Thanks guys. Thank you for listening to A Woman Redefined. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to things we mentioned in today's episode and to learn more about us, our sponsors, and where to find us on social media. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to subscribe, rate it, and give us a review. If you know someone who would enjoy our conversations, please share it with them. Today's episode was brought to you by Allie Roberts Coaching and Schillerland Consulting. Join us for next week's A Woman Redefined Real Talk with Allie and Tanya.